Welcome to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. This is a show about how to build an esports business from literally anywhere in the world, where each week we showcase the journey of one inspiring esports entrepreneur and learn how they solved a particular problem that everyone will ultimately face. And now, to your host, Tom Leonard. Hey there, I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Now, when it comes to esports, I am definitely not the expert. I don't have, I definitely don't have all the answers. I don't, sometimes I don't even have all the questions. But what I am is an explorer. I want to talk to people who are experts in the esports industry from all over the world to learn, how, learn some of their stories and also to hear how they have created jobs around the world. And today I've really been fortunate in getting two of the real real superstars of esports in in Africa to talk about their experience in esports, talk about their exp- experience in creating jobs. Our tagline here is play games, create jobs, change lives. So Kofi Sika is from Senegal, Senegal. He has years of experience in the gaming and esports world. He's the founder and global creative director of Game Camp Cities, a 360 gaming agency. He's also the co-founder Global Creative Director at Musel, where art meets digital without exclusion in Glam's sector. He's also an esports lecturer at Kedge Business School. I could go on and on. Check out the show notes, and you could really see the depth of Kofi's um, impressive background. We'll be talking about more of that in just a minute. Kwesi Hayford is from Ghana, and he's the president of the Esports Association Ghana. Kwesi works tirelessly to support esports teams and events. What I like watch the most about watching what Kwesi's doing is that he spends his time helping others in the industry achieve their success. That's what's important to him. His background and some of his impressive accomplishments are also in the show notes. I could go on and on. We, I, could, I could literally spend the entire show talking about your background because there's so many interesting things there, but we want to cover some other topics. So again, thanks guys for, for agreeing to come in here and spend a few moments today to talk about esports and most importantly, how esports can create jobs. Welcome. Could you introduce yourself a little bit, Kofi? Uh, yes. Um, thanks. Thanks a lot for the, for the invitation to uh, this show. My name is Kofi. So I'm based in Senegal, West Africa, but I was born in Gabon, Central Africa. And I have a Togolese nationality. So my passport is a Togolese uh, passport. So um, just for be very short, uh, I started my, I think, journey 10 years ago. So this year at GameCam Cities, we celebrate our 10 years of existence on the industry and on the ecosystems. I think that is a lot to, to say about that. It's also a lot of lesson to, to, to say about that. But I think that when you look at, at the chronology of events since 10 years, um, I think that we are at a, a very important moment for Africa because Africa is the last region uh, of the market. We know we have always a lot of data about other markets, but Africa is a um, constant transformation, especially with the, the mobile esports market. And when we create, when we talk about um, jobs, um, I'm obliged to back to my uh, my position of uh, 
gamification consultant uh, since 2015, uh, because gamification is these techniques to permit to engage uh, people with uh, criteria from games and video games for make tasks or make operation or make mission that generally psychologically they don't want uh, to do. And when you look at, at the statistic of uh, gamification so far, since 2017, uh, many people anticipate that gamification will be one of the most trends that will really change our manner to work. So uh, I think that is a right moment for, for talk about that, or we succeed to gamify our manner to work, to make our work more enjoyable, uh, more inspirational, more creative. And is, this is all about, is about a combination of data, is about a combination of um, training, is about a combination also of consuming, um, um, how to say that, uh, gamified content. And it's not a thing that we can understand so easily in just clap a finger. Uh, we need to, to try to, to separate different terms for understand really how we can uh, unpack jobs with gamification. But for be really simple, um, on my experience managing an agency uh, since 10 years right now, I think that the first point that we can find an impact about jobs is the capacity for our events to connect players and brands. 10 years ago, we did our first big events in the shopping mall in Senegal, a shopping mall called Sea Plaza, which is the unique shopping mall of the capital, Dakar, of Senegal. And our two first sponsors was Microsoft and Samsung. So this is the first brand who really helped us to achieve so many things. And when they give you sponsorship at the beginning, generally it's never for gaming, because at this moment, gaming can be really something that we can quantify, something that we can monitor. But is the aspect behind gaming, game development, programmation, code, that be an interest for them? So I, th this is one of the great things to... Uh... I'm so glad that you are on this podcast because you can talk about every single area of that, that I want to cover in the first season of this podcast. You're talking about sponsorship. You're talking about tournaments. You're talking about everything. So that's, I just want everyone to understand the depth of your, um, of your experience and how you can impart that, that knowledge to all of us. And I'm going to go to Quasi, get his, get his, uh, get his introduction that I've got that will, I got, I've got, I've got a ton of questions to ask and not much time. <laughs> oh well, I, I am crazy for the, um, probably myself the first I will say that I'm a gamer, and and um, I love the, I help um, initiate ideas and help um, people to realize their esports dreams. And not only that, also um, try as my best to um, build awareness and 
and the momentum for others to get into the space to realize what potential it offers, be it parents, be it uh, government policymakers, be it brands who want to be in the space and how to activate that. Um, because most of the time, the brands want to come in for experiential, and they have maybe A, B, C, D, and you know, I tell this will not work, this will work, this will work, this will not work. And then the, the part that I love most is the grassroots with the players. Because at the end of the day, for me, is to it was a livelihood for anyone that they'd be able to be able to feed their family from Eastwood. Whatever pro level or whatever level they wanna be, they'll be able to achieve that. And and it comes with education, it comes with um building the inroads for them to really enjoy what they are doing. And when I see a gamer got uh, not also about the development of the game because there are a few um, gaming houses that um, we've helped to really soar high in the uh, gaming development space as well. So basically, I, I, I am just like the raw guy on the street trying to, you know. <laughs> no, crazy. You're one of the inspirations for this entire podcast. My stories of watching what you're doing. There, because when you are all over social media, and I rarely, if ever, see a picture of you with someone important, meaning some government official. Not, I'm not saying that there are other people aren't important, but someone that is uh, you know, a government official or an executive. Your pictures are with people that are in the in the, the gaming center playing games with smiles on their faces. That's 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 your, um, just like you're describing. That's what you you. Uh, that's a part of the, the industry that you like. Now, one of the things that I find, I mean, we all know what esports is. It's just a world that, that like you said, you've been we've living it for, for years. My background, I worked here, uh, usually done a lot of um, entertainment marketing. I worked over here at WB Games here in Burbank, where I am uh, working on, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat, Arkham Games, and so on. Um, but um, a lot of times... People just don't know what esports is. Can each of you give a real quick answer? You know, when someone, when you talk, you're talking to someone for the first time and you, you, you're introducing them to esports, what do you say? Kofi? No question. Okay. What's your quick uh, explanation of what is esports? Kofi, you first. Okay, great. All right. So, well, I mean, the basic first thing would be the competitive play of video games. But I always say that it's the commercial side of casual play. The, commer- the, the, commercial, the commercial side of playing games, whereby, um, you know, just playing, there's another aspect of casually at home and all that. But when you bring the business side of the development and everything to it, that's the commerciality of it. That's where it can sustain. But once they get to know it, it is very commercial and people are getting interested. They say, oh, okay, you can make money. Yes, you can make money out of that. So it's not just like, you know, there was once um, we went to see uh, a sports director at the, um, the Ghana, then the Ghana Sports Council. And the director goes like, um, um, what is esports? And I said, oh, uh, it is playing video games. I said, Oh, okay. 
um, I didn't know, but is it like the one that that toy that I bought? He was referring to PlayStation that he bought for his grandson. That uh, yes, and I said yes. That device is one piece of the. I said, oh, things are just playing games at home. Nothing. I said, well, now it is a big deal. There's a business sense and a science to it. So it's not just yes, business, it's science to it as well. I said, okay, okay. Definitely. So, Kofi, what do you, what, what's your, your quick take when you're explaining to someone what esports is? Um, take the, the example when I, I get my first uh, sponsorship um, in 20, 2013. Uh, we have a bank in Africa called UBA Bank. And I remember clearly the, the discussion about that. And this woman from the Department of Marketing asked me this question, but what is this sport? And for explaining this quickly to her, I said that I just want a sponsorship with people that use your credit card for big games online, and then they make competition on it. And she said, oh, what, really? And I said, yes, just, just have a look at the data of your credit card about mobile video games. And at this moment, this bank have a product well-known in Africa, which is called the, the prepaid card. And we use this prepaid card, in fact, for buy our games on Steam. So very easy to see in the data of the bank if someone buy on Steam. And once she look about this data from the department, she understand clearly that I was right. She saw a lot of transactions about video games on the store and also on Steam. And this is this aspect that made me succeed to have my first sponsorship from a bank. And then we, we explain the event and she come to the event for see people literally play Call of Duty in, uh, at the moment it was the, the French Institute where we, we plug the event. And she was just surprised to see that all people can come together just for play for a little cash prize. So for me, that is the competitive side of gaming. People like sometimes to play games for fun. As we play games for win a cash prize front of an audience or for performance in solo or in team. And the thing that is very interesting, and I think is the part that I like most in the esports competition, especially the team aspect, you need to play with people in team, like in the football team. If you are not coordinated, if you don't like each other, you can be good in the match. That, that's clear. And this is this, this particular aspect uh, that I liked in esports. And today, when you look at, for example, the the change and the trend in in education, that's why so many universities now like esport for purposes in their curriculum. Nah, now that's that, that that that's really good. Well, just um, one of the things I was kind of wanted to move into the idea of jobs in esports because that's the premise of what it is we're talking about. And, and both of you are, are, are going down that road already. And you're talking about some of the different jobs that exist out there. 
And it, it'd just be interesting to get your your take on, you know, uh, you know, is this a real industry? And how, what are the signs, uh, I think everyone here agrees that it is a real industry, but what are the signs that make it a real industry that show that it's it's vibrant now and that it has a future out there? A lot of times people will think that, oh, how can this be a serious business? It's, people are playing games. It's like, you know, in a lot of places, you know, they, you know people think of playing games as, as something that should be discouraged, uh, depending on, on, on where you are. And, and so, so just if, if you guys could, could each just describe a little bit of how you see the jobs aspect of esports and what the potential is there. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, when, when you look at the job aspect, I mean, there is the management aspect of esports, there is the production aspect of esports, and there is the players and the teams aspect of esports, right? And what readily will come. Maybe, maybe like what people, many people are tournament organizers. So that even that tournament organizing space or a tournament organizing agency has in it a lot of people doing multiple stuff. So you may have a video graphic designer, uh, a motion graphic designer. You may have a social media manager. You have a tournament director. You will have a. a Somebody that looks after the logistics of equipment for the tournament. He has to make sure that the, the consoles are updated, the pieces are updated. That you know, so these of it has a kind of a job that is attached to it. For me, much more of the media production style of it. And I always say that look, one, the first thing that will come into mind, somebody who's if you are doing a production, you need a video switcher. You need a, a, a line manager, a floor manager. You need a, 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 a camera officers or camera directors to direct which cameras goes to which person, which fees are coming in. Even audio um, sound engineer on ground because you need to bring in the audio from the console, the game audio. You need to bring in the shoutcasters audio. You need to bring in, let's say, the host audio. And then the ambiences and all that. So everything is a real, real, real um, um, job employment. The good thing is that it has a lower entry point, right? People can really learn on the job. And then it has a point where you could go to a school, like what Kofidem is doing, where you have to learn. But even whatever entry you are coming in, if you're coming from the gaming side, or if you went to school and you want to further your teaching in the space, there is always a point. That point makes it beautiful. That this is the employment, the work, the future of work, right? Where gamification is, you have to think gamified. If you don't think gamified, you'll be left behind. So the jobs are there. It's only where you have to plug in. So I was telling a lawyer and I said, you know what, you can fit yourself into the space of esports. There is no, we have not in existence, or there are not some in existence, for as I know that there is no law school in Ghana doing esports law. But I have a gamer who is a lawyer, and in our association, he is our lawyer. Because he's a gamer, he can identify with principles and you can read about all the 
publishes a contract and all that, and he can give better advice. But even more so, he can even study more about esports because it's an emerging space. So whatever business you are doing or whatever career that you are in, even you can pivot yourself into the esports space. So that gives you a wide range of um, employment opportunities. Yeah, what I like hearing you describe there, crazy, is um, um, just the variety of jobs that are out there. Right here, where I am in in Burbank, this is the this is Hollywood. This is where the you know the studios are all all over here. And so many so many times, what you learn in working in the entertainment business, in particular, is that people think of the entertainment as acting. It's like there's the actors. Actors are like one little. Itty bitty tiny piece of the guy next door. He does lighting. Someone down here does props. Someone over here does sound. It's like it's an entire industry, and that's what I like hearing you describe. There are so many little jobs. It, it, you're describing there's so many little jobs. Sometimes it's one person that's doing multiple jobs, but there are all these jobs that need to be done. And Kofi, you're, you're nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, when we talk about uh, jobs, for me the the simple facts and set of things. In esports, we will find exactly now the same ecosystem of opportunities like we see now in the sport. When you recruit a football player, you need what? A lawyer and a contract. It's the same thing in the esports. When you have a team, you need to do the communication of the team. It means that you need to have graphic designer on board. You need to have PR journalist on board. You need to have people who manage the psychology of your player because now in the esports, we have esports psychologists, you know. You have also all the people who work in the media, magazine, TV, studio. It's exactly the same things that we replicate. And then the big difference that, and people sometimes don't think about that, we are already the future of, of the media. Why? Because now with streaming platforms, we saw that in the last report, for example, of Twitch, which is the biggest streaming platform in the world. This platform now has more impact and more audience than the TV. You have each, each day 2 million people on Twitch who stream broadcast content. And you know what? So far, the biggest category now that we see, which is sports, chatting, and music. So since three years or four years, Twitch is not just about gaming anymore. We saw people who cook. We saw people who watch sports, sports events on Twitch, and also brand they can advertise. Today, I'm, I'm just there trying to take my snacks, all the brand of snacks now go on, on Twitch for advertise. Why? Because they understand that gamers are a, 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 a right relationship with snacks. We can watch a football match without being in, in snacks. That's the reality. So all these amount of jobs can be plugged in the industry. And me, like I am a lecturer and a professor at Catch Business right now since four years, this is my work because people give me a class of people who know nothing about esports. They come from um, accountant background. 
marketing background, art, art background, uh, music background, theater background. And my work is to teach them how to enter in the esports industry with their own skills. And that's exactly the, how to say that, the, the summary of this, of this market. You need to understand clearly what is esports, and anybody with any skill really can find a place. Just an example. I think that four years or five years ago, I met a lady who work now at Esports Bar from Madagascar. And when I when I get um, a first meeting with her, she told me that she come from the real estate. I say, what? Or you, or you come from the real estate and work, work on esports. But the thing is, real estate is about to sell house. Just now, I just need to sell brands to the esports people. So it's important that people sometimes change their perception of what they don't know and take the time to learn what is the reality. I know that, for example, if you are not an esports, you can't understand it because you are not in the esports. You need to take the time to learn to learn about it. For example, us at GCC, just for just for don't make a, a a lot of publicity. After ten years, we decide to launch our own beverage. We start the project three years ago. When I talk about that to my team, they say that you are crazy. <laughs> How we can do that? But after three years ago, myself engaged the project because at the basis, I am a graphic designer. What does it mean? I can design my own packaging myself. I start with that. After that, we plan a strategy. Right now also, I come from a background of communication agency first. Before that I launched GameCam Cities, I worked for big agencies, so I learned how to present my ideas in front of a marketing team. So it's exactly the same thing. And then I don't go alone because I know that beverage is not my car business. But there are people who already masterize production of beverage. We know the process of the factory, you know, the chemical process. And then you work with these people. They learn from you. You learn from them. And you create the perfect fit for have the products on the market. So for me, uh, esports, in fact, our best asset is the audience. Two billion gamers worldwide, and fifty, no, five hundred million esports practice esports players in the world. This is this is the audience. So whatever the product that you are lying in front of them with the criteria of eSport, they will engage it automatically with that hesitation. Right. It's, it's, it, yeah, I completely agree. It, 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 we're, we're moving there. The, the future is, um, I, I think one of the things that's really interesting to think about, and I, I know I spent a lot of time on it here in the discussion, but particularly Kofi, you're, you're saying you were, you've been a lecturer for four years. Yeah. And just, just the fact that, Four years ago, we were in a different world for all kinds of reasons four years ago. But it's just like the, the changes in the esports world are happening at such a quick rate 
I mean, so much faster than it, it was always in the entertainment. So, so many places. And, and I think that that rate of change, which you're, you're always picking up on. Uh, and, but I think you have a really good, uh, barometer. You have a, I mean, teaching the same subject over four years. <clears throat> it would be a completely different thing today than it was four years ago. Quasi, just to, to, uh, talking about training, what kind of training do you find uh, available for people who are interested in in either starting an esports business or, or getting smarter at the esports business that they're running? So the, the first point of call is to tie them up with hands-off training with media agencies. So we have some girls um, who are gamers and they said they needed a job. I said, okay, come. We have agencies that does streaming and live production and events for big big corporate houses. We, we sign them up to go and do, and some of them are there as cameramen, as, as um, switches, like, you know, they switch between cameras. Um, some are there as, a, as um, uh, uh, presentation managers, so they take the presentation, put it all together on the computer, so make sure that all the presentations are managed. And these are kind of, um, it's indirectly directly connected to the gaming space as well. So they have fun doing that and they can relate to that. So those are kind of an on-hand training that we have. Also, um, partnership with game studios that are into developing games. And if we have our gamers who are interested in gaming and they want to do their own game or they want to have an experience within Tetrain, Karata modeling, all those things, we link them up to these um, game studios to to learn and all that so we for me i normally find out what you want to do what you what are your interests is it music is it in the production is it in the production of the of the games is it in the production of the tournament is it in the management of the tournament once i can see where your distance lies um, your interest lies then we can fit you somewhere so those are basically the training and the next level of training we even more championing, which uh, is for the girls, because we know that um, in some way, girls are, boys are already drawn into gaming. That is, yeah. But guy, the ladies are a bit shy to come out, even though some of them are the best of gamers they can be. Yeah, African girls, probably I don't know what Kofi will say with his experience in the space, but African girls tend to be shy away, even though they are good. I met a lady she is old. She is like probably in her forties. It's just she plays modern combat, and at this fair, like an open fair, and she came and she was just whipping all the boys. And I'm like, have you been hiding? Is she is a woman? I said, what? I mean, with this skill, you could have been a top pro gamer. But she is just say, oh, and because I've been late, I'm in. But, I mean, we try to give exposure to these ladies to be able to. So, for me, the training is, I work a lot more in the part that I know. And then what I don't know, I refer. I do refer out for these young ones. So, um, um, if Kofi has some entries at his end, definitely I can push some people there. So. No, that's uh, one of the things that it's always, that I like finding out about is, what kind of training programs are available out there for people around the world? Because it's, you know, it's going to be different from, 
you know, maybe that, you know, esports um, training in, in Europe or in the United States, for example, is going to be different. But what I like hearing about Quasi, because I think that's the way people learn in this business, is hands-on learning. It's like, what's the best way to learn how to put on a tournament? Put on a tournament. It's just uh-huh. like that's that's the way that that it's going uh, it's going to work. So, um, no, I want to talk uh, I'll, I'll kind of move into uh, the next topic of esports in emerging markets, because you know here in California, you know we're just used to thinking that every, the esports works the same everywhere. It's like you know creating teams, creating finding sponsors, you know, uh, getting on a server, things like that are all the same everywhere in the world. And what we find out is that that is just not the case. So, um, so I wanted to talk a little bit here, Quasi. You're talking about what are the challenges in esports, and especially creating jobs in esports in your area that maybe other people in the world don't have. I think for me, when it comes to um, creating jobs, it's basically the infrastructure. Because we don't have a lot of infrastructure and um, um, logistics to um, to accommodate these young people, and to to be very frank, esports equipment are very expensive. I mean, I mean, I mean the 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 equipment to put together an esports tournament are not that cheap. The so it's very very difficult to come up by people to really invest in it. Well, now people are beginning to uh, understand the space, so one or two will want to invest in spaces. Uh, so we utilize, for instance, the gaming hubs that already have these consoles or PCs to use them as a learning care for them to learn. So for me, um, logistics and funding are the main things that are bothered. Um, somebody will talk about service, but service is on the playing side, the competitive play when people but when you talk about Africa, we do a lot more of the offline tournament rather than online because online we don't really get the chance to compete evenly with other uh, countries. So um, players prefer to play offline rather than to play online. So basically that is it for me. What about internet access? Quasi, is it, um, is internet access a, 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 an issue there? And I guess maybe maybe the bigger question I want to ask both of you is: Does uh, are, are is mobile gaming, mobile esports bigger because of any kind of constraints there? Well, um, I would say that well, when people say mobile esports is bigger in Africa, it's not. There hasn't been any survey or scientific proof for that. I have a different notion about that, but I will say that um, let me talk about internet access first. Well, gradually, countries in Ghana like this, we have 4G. We have about three or four companies that have 4G networks, right? But the only problem is that it's way expensive. It's, it's expensive, and you can't get 4G everywhere. So you, you get cities or, or, or in the, uh, yes, in the cities, like big cities. So we talk about Kumasi, you talk about Accra, maybe Takradi. So it limits the, 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 the growth of, of, of the esports or the gaming industry. But notwithstanding, the bigger problem is the, 
the internet is really, really expensive for the young ones who really want to play. You understand? And these are mostly students um, now move from the university, getting into job employment opportunity. So it's really very difficult for them as well. So I would say these are some of the things that are difficult for the group. The infrastructure, the internet, and um, spaces, even incubating spaces for people to learn the the esports growth is also not there. Yeah, I can see this. Like that would um, the, the cost of data there is is uh, you know if that's high, that's going to slow down the ability to do um, all kinds of esports activities there. So uh, yeah, definitely something that this cost that that other people don't have um, is it may not be as big of an issue for other people. So there are people, do people there play uh, PC or console games for esports? Yeah. Well, we know that in Africa and in Ghana, console comes first. And yes, I forgot to mention that what I wanted to talk about, about the mobile game. So this, this is the perception. So yes, there are a lot of people owning mobile, mobile phones, but this is a catch. And you can quote me anywhere. <laughs> we will, we will. <laughs> so there are a lot of mobile phones. There are a lot of people having mobile phones. It's not everybody who knows how to use a mobile phone to capitalize it for gaming. Or there are a lot of people who own footballs, but not all are footballers. You understand what I'm coming from? Yes, yes. Just because <laughs> you own the, uh, just because you own the equipment, does not mean you're an expert at it. Yes. So just because somebody owns a mobile phone doesn't mean the person who use that mobile phone for gaming or has even the knowledge. So there's. The mobile phone penetration in Africa is huge, yes, but it's not everybody who is using that mobile phone. Okay, everybody has their own um, reason for owning a mobile phone, and it is now becoming. I think the growth is coming up, right? So games like maybe PUBG and Call of Duty are now striving on on mobile. So if you look at the mobile market. The first game that comes to mind is PUBG. And then because and also because PUBG is team-based, it makes the growth faster. But even then, it's not everybody who has a budget gaming-friendly game, mobile phone. Because it's not all mobile phones too that can play games. So there's a huge penetration of mobile phones in the African market. But it's just not everybody who can play on the mobile phone. No, that's I think that's that's really true. I know that uh yeah, I'm I'm on free fire, you know, trying yeah. to uh trying to not die. And it is not always an easy thing, uh, easy thing to do there. So um PS5 or Xbox, do those are do those companies support the the esports um the esports industry, the esports players in Africa, either one or both? Tom, I'm laughing here because <laughs> that is the that is the rarest thing you will ever find. We don't have support from Microsoft. We don't have a support from Xbox. And this is the campaign that I've been driving around. Even the campaign that I call the service in Africa is, is on uh, change. Um, that is one of the campaigns that I've been driving on. And it delves into the fact that even the gaming, the two powerful gaming platforms, 
Microsoft and Sony doesn't recognize Africa wide. So, for instance, my PlayStation account is tied to US. My Xbox account is tied to US. And if I need to buy codes or anything, it has to be US. Some are tied to Europe and some are tied to the old countries that are fully recognized in Africa, probably Egypt and South Africa. You understand? But apart from that, I am in Ghana. So imagine that all Ghanaian players choosing, let's say, US, because they can easily then buy via dollar or Visa card. So in, in, on the Microsoft, on PlayStation, my address is tied to New York because I can't choose Accra in the platform. And this is the change we want, that I'll be able to choose Accra, that I stay in Accra, that will reflect in the system that in Africa. Yes, the, uh, I, I was talking to you or I was listening to someone talking about, maybe it was, it was with um, Toe talking in, in Zambia about some of the professional players there and what the difference a, a ping rate makes, what, where the servers are located. Now, and, and again, that's something I'm, I'm always, it's, that's something here, you know, we never even think about ping rate as being an issue to anyone playing games here in California because it's 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 a different different place. But over there, with the way I understood it, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the the ping rate because the servers are in Africa or in uh, Europe, the ping rate is so much lower that it's really hard for a professional player uh, in Zambia doing Mortal Kombat to compete with people who have uh, who are are residing in areas that have the the server right there. Definitely, and and that has been it that. Even if we, we want to go global, we can't go global because we don't have service closer um, in Africa. There's, we don't have service in Africa. And because we don't have service in Africa, I mean, anytime we play online, somebody who is very closer to a server in Europe or US is, is, has a far, far advantage over an African player. Even if you, an African player can be skillful or what, but still will lose. For instance, we played in a tournament in FIFA E, and the server closer was in Dubai. And the team we were playing with was in Dubai. So you could understand that they, they would easily take all, take all the points because they are closer to the server. And we lost. All the teams in Africa lost to those in Dubai because the Dubai teams were playing the home server. You understand? So they get... Especially even if you are playing games like FPS, like before you could shoot the guy who is very close to the server, the 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 refresh rate and the ping rate is so fast, he you are dead even before you could, you press the key of the keyboard. So those are some of the things. That <laughs> oh yeah, oh some of this. Yeah, boy, yeah. I just can't imagine like MK with someone that has a a better yeah you, uh, ping rate. It, it would uh, it'd be instant, instant death there. Hey there, Kofi, uh, Kofi's back. Looks like yes. Hey, that, no, that's good. No, we, we, we can, we keep talking here. We nothing slows us down. I so, Kofi, um, Kofi, Kofi has perspectives on the servers. Uh, I, I would want to hear his views on that because it is something that almost every champion of Africa has been talking about. The fact that I mean. 
we need servers in Africa because without it, that forms a basis. Without it, we can't compete globally. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. African guys, I know they have great exposure, great talent, but if 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 we don't have that, I mean, there's no way somebody sitting in Europe closer to a server can be easily beat an African player, no matter how good that is. And even though we are trying under the circumstances, but I think that uh, we appeal to the big boys who try and locate us something. But I don't know what Koki has to say about that. Koki? Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the big problem of esports is around infrastructure. And this is where um, the problem is, uh, is easy because when, we, when you begin to talk about infrastructure, it means that you talk with telecom, you talk with regulation, you talk with government, and you need to pitch your economy, your vision about gaming to those people. That's the first, the first uh, I think, uh, difficulty. And uh, we don't have servers in Africa. It means that all the gaming industry ignore the continent. That's why, for example, Saudi Arabia, when they start the, the strategy about gaming, the first thing that they did, they invest 1 million USD on their own server for conquer the Middle East region. First, first movement. They don't talk to go to discuss, no. They, they get their own server because they understand. And sometimes me, um, I got a lot of discussion uh, in Africa, especially this two last year. We, we, we grab uh, eight countries' leaders, we go with um, politicians from Senegal, and we go to discuss in the Middle East on um, online events. And this is where we learn about so many things, and we learn about the strategy of Saudi Arabia. Because the Saudi Arabia understand clearly that before to make our, vest, our investments in another part of the ecosystem, they need to fix the servers. After that, um, when you look at, for example, a team from Egypt like um, Anubis Gaming, which is worldwide champion on Valorant uh, from Egypt. Uh, uh, they're, they're great. I mean, if, if no one has been out there to see their, their video on, uh, on YouTube, their little documentary of them going to the, the campus clutch in, uh, and winning, exactly. that, that was amazing. And, and you see, it's a great example because Valorant just launched in 2020, I think, yeah. July. So just uh, two weeks, two weeks after uh, me and my team, we did an activation of Valorant on five countries in Africa with Airtel. And then the Red Bull deployed something one year after. And... Anubis Gaming was ready. So first, first competition, first strike, race to the top. But I have a discussion with them and they tell me something's very important. They did the final in Spain on real infrastructure and connectivity. And this is the story that people need to understand. When you spend your time to play on downgrade infrastructure, you begin so strong that the day you will be on the right infrastructure, you will just crush everybody. And this is and what's that, happened. 
that that is such a good point because I hadn't thought of that before. Because where I went to university is in Wyoming, elevation seventy two hundred feet, way up there. The air is really thin. Athletes there, when they would get there, they would go down to sea level. The football team would go to sea level. They had a huge advantage because they were they were used to playing at a disadvantage. That's a really good point. Exactly. So 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 is a is a great example to see that Africa is ready for international stage. And myself, during this, during these 10 years, I have also an interesting story. So in 20, in 2016, we succeeded to qualify Senegal and Togo on a worldwide competition produced by Alibaba Group, which is called WESG. They succeeded to qualify, despite that the infrastructure was power. Um, just last year, in 20, 2021, uh, I qualify my 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 Street Fighter play on the Intel World Open, which is an accredited Olympic Committee esports event. My my esports player is in Burkina Faso. It's not a country who is ready now for big infrastructure. So it means that at very low level, we have already people who succeed to be on the global stage. So imagine that if you give them all the keys all the standards for compete everywhere. So for sure, we have already a lot of talent, including in Senegal. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you know about Solo Esport and Momo Jouf. Uh, many people don't know that, for example, Momo Jouf was a world top four on eFootball in the Steam competition. Crazy. He's come, he's come from Senegal, top, top world, four position. From Senegal, you, you imagine that? So when, and, and this is where I'm sometimes very frustrated because when governments see stories like that, when brands in Africa see stories like that, normally they need to be curious, interested. Oh, this guy, they don't have so many sponsors. They already reached to the top level. But the problem that we have about this kind of infrastructure things is very technical. Myself, for understand it, it takes me a lot of years discussing with telco, going in travel, in conference. So I need, I was obliged to immerse myself with IT guys. Sometimes go on the head counter for C. Oh, is the server? Oh, do you have the server? So, so I don't think that is everybody who have the, the patience to dig investigation for really understand. What is very the, the problems where you need to, to move the line? When you look at, for example, Wyatt Games who launch Valorant, the thing is very interesting in the character of Valorant, we have a character from Morocco. So it means that when Wyatt Games launch the game, they already anticipate the Moroccan market. Why? Because we understand that the community, for example, on the League of Legends from Morocco and North Africa was already a strong community. So for sure, they want to invest on it. But so far, they don't put the server there because in the numbers, and sometimes this is also our big challenge, why a big company will put a server in Africa for just 5,000 5, uh, players a day? It's not viable business model. That's the right. reality. It's not a viable business model. So it's also to us to demonstrate that we have the capacity to reach one 100,000 players a day, 1 million players a day. And for the moment, I think 
only area where we have the capacity to do that or to reach base numbers is mobile esports. Why? Because the cost of entry is few, because the cost of data also is low. And comparing to a PC games also, playing on a mobile smartphone don't require also the same amount of data. So for me, uh, the, the solution for this kind of infrastructure need to be solved by a, a more dynamic community of eSports mobile because the cost is less than, for example, the PC, the PC infra infrastructure. And Telco will have an interest because just look at a country like the Senegal, uh, Orange Telecom Operator, 8 million people have a smartphone. Yeah, that's this, it's what's interesting is just to get different opinions on where, where mobile is, where mobile is going and so on. Hey, I can spend all day talking here and I know that it, cause it's, it's still early in the day here, so I could do that, yeah. but I, I don't want I would be respectful of your time because I know that we will be talking to you uh, again uh, in the future on here. There's just, there's, one of the things I keep hearing you guys say is that there's a story that needs to be told to a wider audience. Exactly. And, and I keep hearing that, that theme over and over. And if we can do anything along those lines here to create uh, more of a conversation with people, that's, that's one of the reasons of having this particular podcast out there. So, um, you know, I, I really, again, I really appreciate both of you for spending a little bit of time here. When I say superstars, I do not use that word lightly. I will not use that on every every episode here. Uh, but but you guys both have just such in-depth backgrounds that you should be really proud of because people, I mean, that, that, that wasn't without a lot of hard work on all of your parts. And that makes a difference to the industry. So if you... Uh, if people are interested in hearing more from guys like this and girls like these um, um, in the future, subscribe to our podcast here, anywhere that you, that you listen to your podcast, tell your friends. This is one of the things that happens is the audience that we will attract to this kind of content. It's more than likely that they have friends, they have contacts that could be interested in the same thing. So make sure you tell your friends, follow the, follow us on social media. When you follow us on social media, uh, yo, we appreciate you following on social media, but feel free to give co uh, comments, feedback. What kinds of things do you think we should be talking about in the future? What kinds of things would make a difference to you? So we're going to be talking in the future about teams, we'll talk about tournaments, we're talking about, talk about money, we're talking about uh, sponsorship, which I just today, it's like, how many times did the term sponsorship come up in the discussion? Because, because it is so important to the entire industry. So again, thanks, Kofi. Thanks, Kwesi. Really appreciate your time. It will be, uh, we'll be talking to you, uh, talking to you soon. Thanks again. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kwesi, thanks for, for the talk, Reginald. Thanks to you too.